This audio is from South Fellowship Church. For more information about South Fellowship, please visit southfellowship.org. Anybody else resonate with the words of that song we just sang? Lord, I need you. I need you every hour. I need you. Um, yes and amen. Yes and amen. I mean, we sing some great truth this morning. Um, I hope as we sing, you recognize what we declare. We crown you with glory. You're lifted high. You welcome us um, home with open arms. You fight for us. Um, so that, that's two, that means two things. One, you fight on our behalf and you fight for our hearts that we would know you, understand you, see you, glorify you, lift you high as God. Um, and we also sang a prayer, Jesus, would you build your kingdom? Would you heal your land, heal the streets, heal people, um, and use this church, your people, in order to do it. That's a bold prayer, is it not? Um, as we sing and as we worship, I-, I hope you are tuned in on a soul level to what we're saying as God, uh, as we ask um, and remind ourselves of who God is. Um, well, that's just uh, for free. Let's pray and we'll jump in this morning. Um, King Jesus, we lift you high. We honor you as God. We long to hear your voice. So spirit, move, work, stir in us, challenge us, mess with us a little bit. We invite you to to work in our souls that we might be rearranged in order that our lives might more reflect uh, the way of our master, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, please pray for our young adults. They're uh, up in, uh, on retreat up in Fair Play, and they'll be coming back today, about 35, 40 of them um, away on a retreat. And so please pray for them as they um, travel back. They're, they're in their 20s, okay? So, you know, snowing. Let's pray for them. Lift them up, please, Lord, okay? Um, we had the chance last Sunday evening. Uh, to say thank you as a staff, to say thank you to the um, many of you who volunteer here at South, who give of your time and your energy and your resources um, to make um, much of Jesus in uh, whether it's teaching a Sunday school class or serving in the food bank or serving on our worship teams, ministries. And, and so as a, as a staff, we had the chance to say thank you to um, well over 100 folks who came out last Sunday night um, who are um, givers here, invested here. Here, partners in ministry here, and it was it was such a joy for, for me, for our staff, for um, our elders. The, the theme was um, superheroes. You're, you're our hero is what we wanted to say to, to the people who give so much here. Um, and so from our elder board, from our staff, um, we just wanted the night to say thank you. At the end of that night, if you're there, you, you may or may not remember this, but at the end of that night, um, our staff, with the help of um, some trained professionals, put together um, a little dance, um, choreographed to the song, Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler. Bring back some memories for anyone. 1993, a hit, Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler. And so um, there I am, floating um, like a butterfly, Wind Beneath My Wings. There's Chris Hutchinson, our student ministry pastor. Why'd you guys clap for him and not me? What's the deal? Come on. He looks so graceful in that Incredibles suit. And at the very end, the whole staff doing the flying V, um, you are the wind beneath 
my wings. Well, here's the way Bette Medler's song goes. <clears throat> Just the chorus, I will spare you. Uh, did you ever know that you're my hero? Question mark. You're everything I wish I could be. And I could fly higher than an eagle, for you are the wind beneath my wings to the glory of God. So I am walking down our hallway in our office this week, and I am humming this song. Like Monday through Thursday, I'm walking by offices. Did you ever know that you're my here? Anybody else have a problem just getting songs stuck in their head? And sometimes you feel like if I can sing it, it's just going to get it out. But it didn't work. I can promise you, it didn't work. Um, our staff will agree, didn't work. Just kept singing. You are the wind beneath my wings. And what a cheesy song, right? And I started to think, man, all right, so God, do you, do you care about us in this way? Do you care about us in the area of being encouraged, of being supported, because that's what good old Bet's singing about, right? That, that these people have come along and they've sort of sustained her behind the scenes. They're the proverbial wind beneath her wings. Um, does God care when we're discouraged? Does God care when we're sort of at the end of our rope? Does, does God care when we're just burned out, frustrated, disappointment, doubt. Does God, does God care? So a lot of times we'll answer, yeah, that's the church answer, right? Of course he does. The question becomes, how does he care? How does he care? And how does he build into his people when, when there isn't the proverbial wind beneath their wings, when they're discouraged, when they're burnt out, when there's doubt, when there's fear, when there's pain? How does God, the almighty creator of the universe, come alongside his people and say, I love you and I long for you to walk in more joy and encouragement and peace and wholeness. I long for you to do that. And so I'm going to send your way some things in order to minister to your very soul. How does he do that? Because I don't know about you, but if he does, I want in, Right? I want in, and it's just God's divine sovereignty that I'd be pre preaching on Acts chapter 18, which is about that this morning, and in many ways, um, I walked in this morning on fumes, okay? I, I walked in on, just to be quite honest with you, I got here at seven o'clock like I normally do after um, praying and studying um, at another coffee shop, one that we don't run, okay, so I'm not going to endorse them, but for your coffee needs, go to Solid Grounds, but I, I, walked, I walked in here parking lot's not plowed, and I just wanted to scream into a pillow. Like, Lord, are you kidding me? I had a long week. I could have done without that. And anybody else walk in that way this morning? Here's a beautiful truth from the scriptures we're going to wrap our hearts and our minds around this morning, is that God loves to encourage his church. He loves to. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm shocked by this truth, because I know me, and, and I know you don't get a whole lot when you encourage me, okay? So, I mean, if you're the God of the universe, why focus your energy on encouraging your people? You're just, we're just normal, small, everyday people, but the God of the universe loves to walk alongside of us and loves to encourage us and loves to build his church up. He loves to encourage his church through his people and through his presence. Don't you love that about our God? Sometimes we've been around the story so long that we no longer hear it, 
Like we've heard about Jesus for so long that something like that, that the God of the universe who, hey, newsflash, spoke the stars into the sky last night, sustains it and holds it all together. We talked about that last week, that he's sovereign, that he's creator, that he's sustainer, that he's father, that he's good, and and that he, that same sustainer, creator, almighty father would care about people like you and me. That's crazy. Let's not lose the awe and wonder of the fact that God loves to encourage his people through his people and through his presence. This whole passage this morning is about the power of touch. It's about the power of touch. The touch from God himself as he speaks and he builds into the lives of his people and the power of touch from the person sitting next to you as he puts us in a body together to be the church. Not just members of a congregation, but to be the church. Those are very different things. So if you haven't been with us, let me, let me catch you up a little bit. We are in Acts chapter 17. It's taken us 30 weeks to get here, so welcome to the party. Um, it's Paul's second missionary journey. And, and he is in the midst of what I would consider um, some real challenges. And if you read the story of Paul's life, um, there, there were some major challenges. In fact, his calling is from God in Acts chapter 9. I will, t- I will show you how much you will suffer for my name. And Paul goes, sign me up. Okay? Now, God has to do something in your heart and in your soul and in your life to say, I'm going to put my name on the dotted line for that mission. But that's what Paul does. And as he goes from city to city, from town to town, God not only works in and through him and starts to build his church, but, but he also gets beat up pretty bad. When he's in Philippi, he, he um, through the power of the Spirit, drives a demon out of a demon-possessed girl, and um, a, a riot starts. Okay, Not exactly what you're looking for when that happens. He goes, uh, he goes to Thessalonica after that, where he enjoys some great ministry success, but then ultimately he's forced to flee in the middle of the night because of persecution. After that, he goes to Berea, and the exact same thing happens. Okay? In Acts chapter 17, where we camped out last week, Paul gives what many would consider his best sermon in the book of Acts in the sense that he um, really points people to the resurrection, points people to Jesus, best in that it's most prominent. And people are like, that's cool. That's great, Paul. Glad, glad that works for you. A few people believed. Most people, though, said, nah, I think we're good. Think we're good. And so Paul, after sort of licking his wounds, as it were, is going to come to Corinth. And that's where we're going to pick up the story this morning. In, in uh, the letters he writes to the church at Corinth, he says, I-, I was with you. I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. He says later on in 2 Corinthians that when he got to them, his body had no rest. He was afflicted at every turn. He was fighting enemies outside of himself, and he was fighting fear from within. Okay, anybody go, Paul, I'm with you there. Paul, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah. And he, we're going to pick up the story, but you have to know what's behind the story is that um, there's no wind beneath his proverbial wings, okay? He's not going yes and amen to Bette Medler. Okay, he's going. Where is where is this wind you speak of, Bet? Where where is it? And and how do I keep going? And how do I keep ministering? And how do I keep preaching? And Jesus, sometimes it seems like you show up and your hand is all over it, and sometimes I can't see you anywhere. Acts chapter eighteen, 
starting in verse 1. And, and after this, after giving the, the sermon we talked about to the Athenians on Mars Hill, he left Athens and went to Corinth. Now, just a quick time out. Um, this is about 60 miles away. Okay, so plus or minus a, a two-day journey. And what Athens was to the philosophical, intellectual world of the day, Athens, or uh, Corinth was to the party world. Okay? So this is a place that's filled with drunkenness, it's filled with debauchery, that's filled with promiscuity. And so that's what Paul's walking into. On the hill, sort of outside of the town, was a temple to Aphrodite, the goddess Aphrodite. Um, there were a thousand temple prostitutes that, quote-unquote, worshipped during the day, and by evening, they performed their duties. This is his, the world he's walking into. So, he goes from this intellectual capital to um, the, quote-unquote, party capital, if you will. It's a place that's just bursting with economic newness, and it is um, flowing with money. People are newly rich. People are entrenched in their idolatry and their worship of sexuality, and, and Paul finds them in this place. Verse 2, it says, And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Interesting, isn't it? I came to you in weakness. I came to you in fear. I came to you in trembling. I came to you with no wind in my sails. And when I got there, I found Priscilla and Aquila. As if to say, and they restored me and they built into me and they loved me in my weakness and they were with me in my ministry and they were some of the wind beneath my wind. See, see here's what we're going to learn this morning is that God loves to encourage his church through his people and through his presence and one of the ways he does that is he sustains us through relationships. So friends, if, if all we do is come together on a Sunday morning and we sit next to each other, and if all we are is a congregation and we're not a family, then this never happens, right? This never happens. But God's design for us is far more than just Sunday morning. It's far more than just sitting next to somebody in, in a seat or in a pew, and it's actually walking with people, doing life with one another. Does God care about your friendships? Yes, he does. And see, at one of the lowest points in Paul's ministry, he meets two of the most significant friendships in his life. Coincidence? Probably not. No. This is the way that God works. This is the way that God moves. God uses his people to be carriers and conduits of his encouraging presence and power. Um, we got to witness this firsthand while my mom um, got sick. Uh, my mom and dad are, are, part of a, are part of a small group, a life group at their church. And I got to see these people from their life group every single week bring a meal over to their house. And they didn't just um, hand it off and say, high five, um, enjoy. Um, it's, you know, gluten-free, right? <laughs> I mean, they, they said, hey, let's, let's eat together. And people that came over and cut my mom's hair. 
because she was too weak to get out of the house. Had people that came over and gave her manicures and pedicures. And for those that year, I mean, people can do that for a few weeks, but they did this for a year. And that's the way God works. That's the way God does things because he cares about his people and he longs to build into his people and he, he longs to be a God who says, I care if you're encouraged and I care if you're depressed and downtrodden and you feel beat up and you feel like there's fear and there's weakness and you came in trembling. But I, I know you came in trembling, but I came with provision and a plan. And the plan's name is Aquila and Priscilla and they are here because they're religious refugees. They got kicked out of their home. They left everything that they owned out of fear of being persecuted, they landed here, and I'm going to use even that to build my kingdom. And if anybody should have just said, hey, we're just going to rest, and we're going to relax, and we're going to recharge, and people can minister to us, we're going to sort of put our feet up, it was Priscilla and Aquila, but they didn't. They didn't. They're like, we're, we're here in Corinth as religious refugees, and wherever God plants us, we are going to partner with him in building his kingdom. And part of building his kingdom is partnering with his people. What a beautiful picture of the church, yes? And don't you love it that before church breaks out in a building or breaks out in the pews, it breaks out in this blue-collar workforce where they're building tents. They're just in their normal rhythm of their everyday life, and the gospel starts to take root in their souls, and it starts to bloom beautifully, because that's the way Jesus works. That's the way he works. He sustains his people through his people. They got kicked out of their town, but they found Paul, and they encouraged him, and they built into him, and they were lifelong partners in ministry. Listen to the way the Romans chapter 16, verses 3 and 4, talk about Priscilla and Aquila. Now, just a, a quick side note. You can decide how important it is, okay? The only time Aquila is mentioned first, and Aquila is the husband, is in Acts chapter 18 when they're first introduced, the other four times in the scriptures, and, and Paul mentions them often in letters, Priscilla is mentioned first. Um, she seems to be the rock. She seems to be the teacher um, in many ways. The New Testament house churches, uh, she was a stalwart. Hey, you decide how important that is, okay? Now, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life. To whom not only I give thanks, but all of the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Did God use this couple? Oh, undoubtedly. Not only that, but he used them in a time where they were displaced, when they were probably low on money, they were low on energy, they were discouraged, and God brought them right at this right time to the Apostle Paul to say, let's keep going together. Let's keep going together. I love the way that natural connections turn into gospel, beautiful gospel communities. So the question has to be for us, who's, who's God placed around us that he might want us to be an encouragement to, that he might want us to pour into, that he might want us to pray for, that he might want us to partner with, that he might want us to start a life group with? I mean, what, God, what might God do if we just started to ask him the question? See, because he uses relationships to sustain us, make us, shape us, and build us. 
But that's not always easy, is it? Okay, let me ask you again. That's not always easy, is it? No. No, it's not. And here's, here's a few things for me that are tough. One, vulnerability. Because in order to have these type of gospel-centered, sustaining, life-giving, feeding type of relationships, we need to be willing to be honest with ourselves and say, I'm sort of at the end of my rope. Or to say, I have doubts and I have fears and, and I don't get this and I don't understand it. And to be okay with that, we have to be willing to say, life is disappointing right now. If people are going to pour into us and encourage us, they need to know, hey, bet saying about it, but there's no wind beneath my wings. Because you can't encourage somebody you know you, that you don't know is struggling. I, I love this passage in 2 Corinthians where Paul's writing to the Corinthians church. And he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, in our trouble, so that, so, so why does God comfort us? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Now, now that's you, church. That's you. We're not just a group of people that gather together on a Sunday morning and are a congregation. We're a family. We're a family where we look at each other and we look each other in the eye and we hear each other's stories and we hear each other's pain. And it says, so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves have received from God. So we give it. We give it away. It's followers of Jesus having the courage and fortitude to say to one another two powerful words that we hear far too often, me too. Yeah, I struggle with that too. I've been there. I've been there, and, and, and praise be to God, I came out the other side. To say to people wrestling with, with addiction, yeah, me too, been there. To say to people wrestling with, um, you fill in the blank, kids that have gone, jobs that are insecure, yeah, me too, me too. And to give that comfort that we have received from God. So one, vulnerability, that's hard. Two, pursuit, that's hard. It's willing to make an effort. I love it that he says, and Paul, he found a Jew named Aquila as though Paul was like on the lookout. God, I know you're in this. And I know you're here. And I know one of the ways you work is you build your church through your people and through your presence. And so, God, I'm on the lookout for your people because there's no wind beneath my wings right now. And he pursues them. He finds them. So vulnerability, pursuit, and three, this is, this is tough for me. It might be for you too. Margins. To have enough time in my schedule to actually do this. <laughs> Not easy, is it? But it's so important. It's so important because God sustains his people through his people. Here, here the, the story goes on. Verse 9, and we're skipping down a little bit. Paul um, is invited into the home of Titus Justice. He leads the synagogue ruler Crispus to the Lord. He becomes a faithful follower of Jesus. I mean, these are beautiful things breaking forth. And then in Acts chapter 18, verse 9, it says this. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision. Now, anytime that happens, we should probably listen, yes? Okay, right, so we're on the same page there. Yeah. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking. And do not be silent, for I'm with you. 
and no one will attack you to harm you. I mean, at this point, I would be like, um, okay, quick time out with you. Totally excited about it, God. Just a few questions of all those times I got my head beat in, though. Couldn't you have showed up then, too? Right? Like, don't we love to push back on God a little bit when he gives a promise like this and go, whoa, it would have been nice if you would have done that back in Philippi, right? Yesterday. <laughs> For I have, he says, many in this city who are my people. And he stayed there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Look up at me for just a second. It's one thing to hear my voice on a Sunday morning. It's a whole nother thing to tune your hearts to hear the voice of the Father every day. And what this passage is saying is that God speaks to Paul. And here, our conviction here is God still speaks to his people The fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you is one, not an accident, and two, not an experiment. It's intentional that the God of the universe would encourage you directly, that he would speak into your life, that he would encourage you, build into you, teach you, remind you of his love, remind you of the work of Jesus, that when you get downtrodden, you'd be able to speak to your soul and say, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, rejoice. Remember the goodness of God that's present, that's here, and that's now. Does God still speak in visions? Well, some would say no. Um, I think they're wrong. Um, others would say yes. Um, I, I fall in the yes category, and let me tell you why. Um, One of the reasons I'm here at South is because of a dream I had two years before I ever knew this place existed. And I couldn't explain it. I woke up in the middle of the night. I grabbed my wife, Kelly, and I can tell you, I can remember maybe two or three dreams I've ever had in my entire life. I grabbed my wife, Kelly, and I said, I had the dream. I'm the pastor of a church that meets in a strip mall. (laughs) And she was like, you know, this is two in the morning, dead sleep. Shaker had the dream. Had a dream. I'm a pastor of a church that meet, met, meets in a strip mall. Here's the color scheme. Here's some of the distinctives about it. It's got a ton of fake shrubbery. Okay. <laughs> now, now you look out there now and you go, no, there's no fake shrubbery. There's a closet behind the sanctuary that has over 70 fake plants in it. <laughs> I kid you not. We walked in the door when we were coming here to just sort of check you guys out um, and walked in and I went, oh my gosh, this is it. I looked at Kelly and I said, um, we're, we're going to get offered this job. And God used that. I could go into the whole story. I, I won't. But God used that to encourage us, to guide us. We're not here because of a dream, but without a dream, I don't know if we'd be here. Okay? Just, and here's what, here's what God says to Paul through this dream. Let, let me just sort of, let, let me show it to you. He encourages him. He says, Paul, don't be afraid. Paul, keep going. Paul, the gospel is worth it. Jesus is worth it. He loves you. He paid for you. He purchased you. He redeemed you. Keep Going, Paul. Keep moving. Don't be afraid. 
He encourages his soul. Um, Second thing he does is he assures him of his presence. Listen to this. Don't be afraid, but go on speaking. Don't be silent, for I am what, church? With you. You know, all throughout the scriptures, this is, whenever God shows up, this is one of the things he says. I'm with you. I'm present. I'm here. Why does he say it? Because we forget it so often. Because we forget it so often. I love the way that it says it in the book of Isaiah. It says, fear not, for I am with you. This is the Lord speaking. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Friends, stand on it. Stand on it. Remind yourself of it. And maybe this morning, maybe right now, you just say, God, God, it's one thing to hear Ryan say that. It's one thing to read it in your word, but it's a whole nother thing to have the spirit make it come alive in my soul. Will you pray, God, help me come alive. Let me know it. Let me know it. Whatever life's given you right now, wherever you're at, he's with you. Will you look up at me for just a second? He's with you, friend. He's with you. You can rest assured of it. You can stand on it. May our eyes be open to it. So he encourages him, he assures him of his presence, and and three, I I would argue he guides him. Because after this vision, after this speaking directly from the Lord, it says, and and he, Paul, um, stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God to him, which is a long time for Paul to stay anywhere, okay? I think it's second longest he stays anywhere. He just lays down some roots here. He goes, hey, I'm not going to get my face beat in here. Well, let's look for some property to buy, right? I mean, this is nice. I could do Corinth. Not going to get beat up. Perfect. Sign me up. This is great. Well, but it's more than that. It's God saying to him, Paul, the torrid pace you've been keeping is unsustainable. I know you feel beat up. I know you feel weak. I know you need encouragement. Just stay. Just pause, hit pause and just receive as you give. He speaks to him directly. I'm convinced he wants to speak to us too. You jump down to verse 24. By this point in time, they've moved on to Ephesus. So don't you just love it? He was there a year and a half, um, and that gets a line in the scriptures, okay? Verse 24, it says, And now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. Um, now, just a quick time out. Alexandria is one of the educational, probably the top three educational capitals in the world at the time. Apollos is a very educated man, as you're going to read. Very educated. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord and fervent in the spirit. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Now, now, just a quick time out. I don't have time to address that this morning in the way it deserves to be addressed. We're going to do a whole message on how could Apollos be a follower of Jesus and not have the Holy Spirit or not understand the Holy Spirit. We're going to do that next week because Acts chapter 19 naturally leads into that. I want to set our stake in somewhere a little bit different though right now. It says, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him, wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, which is a great line. We could spend a whole series on that. 
For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Don't you just love this picture of the church? That, that Apollos is there. He's from Alexandria. You have Priscilla and Aquila, and they're from Italy. And you have Apollos, who's well-trained, eloquent, well-versed, gone to the best schools. And you have Priscilla and Aquila. They're blue-collar tent makers. That's what they spend their day doing. And they look at Apollos and go, You're, you, gotta, you got some pieces that are in place, and they are great. High five. Good job. But why don't you come over for dinner so we can fill in some of the blanks? Why don't you come over um, and let's chat and let's talk because this is the way God does things. He, he teaches us in community. He uses one another. He uses us to teach each other. There's no hierarchy in the kingdom. You know that, right? That, that, um, sure, our pastors have been to seminary. They've, done, they've, they've studied. They've done all that, but there's no hierarchy that just because we have the a few letters after our name, that, that doesn't mean anything in God's eyes. What means something is, do we know the scriptures? Do we understand the scriptures? Are we even we willing to learn? The answer is yes and amen. And I love this beautiful picture of gospel community where it's iron sharpening iron and it's relational and it's in a home and it's around a table. It's not a congregation. It's not a crowd. It's a family. It's a family who says, we're way better together than we could ever be alone. And no voice in our community is more important than another. No voice in our community is more important. Some, some speak more. But no voice in our community is more important than another. This is Gospel 101. Gospel 101. I love this picture, don't you? Of the way that God builds his church, and builds his people. He sustains us through his people. He speaks to us directly through his presence, and he teaches us as part of a family, not just part of a class that we take, but a family that we are a part of. This is beautiful, friends. This is what it looks like to be part of the church and I pray that more and more God would encourage us. Some of, some of us in this place, and, and I just have this strong sense that today God wants to, to do some healing, to bind up some broken pieces of us. Where I think there's some people, you relate to that. You're going, I walked in here and, and there's no wind beneath my wings. Uh, we wanna pr- I want to pray into that after the service. We're going to have our elders, our prayer team up front. And, and I just want to ask God, to do what he did in this passage in this body. He loves to do this. He loves to do this because he loves his people. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus took his followers and he gathered them around a table. And he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. It's given for you. And he took wine and he poured it and he said, this is my blood which makes a new covenant. It's done for you also. And in doing so, here's what he does. He gives his people sustenance. He feeds his people. But he doesn't just feed his people, he meets with his people. He speaks to us at this table, friends. He speaks his love over us at this table. He speaks his goodness over us at this table. He meets us 
as we come to celebrate his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his body and his blood given for us. He sustains us. He speaks to us. And as we come to this table, along with the others in our community, he teaches us what it looks like to be the blood-bought people of God. So as you come this morning, come knowing you're part of something far bigger than yourself. Come longing to hear his voice, I promise he's speaking. And come longing to receive what he loves to give, encouragement to his people. Let's pray. Jesus, we bow at your throne. We lift you high. We honor you as God. We thank you that you're, you're a God who loves to build up your people, not to tear us down, but to shape us and make us more into the image of Jesus. And we thank you that you use those around us in order to do that. What a beautiful design. So Father, as we come to your table this morning, may we hear your voice. Sustain us. Speak to us. Teach us what it looks like to follow after We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This audio is from South Fellowship Church. Feel free to make copies of this message, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information about South Fellowship, please visit us at southfellowship.org.